Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Andrea McBeth, and we're going to be talking about the power of poop. Andrea McBeth is a naturopathic doctor with a passion for shifting perspectives toward microbiome-centered health. Her scientific background includes a degree in biochemistry from the University of San Diego and research pursuits in various areas of molecular and cellular biology. After years in cancer research, she was called to the path of naturopathic medicine. She graduated from the National University of Natural Medicine in 2017. As a licensed MD in Oregon and Washington, she focused her clinical care on functional gastrointestinal and autoimmune issues. In conjunction with her functional medicine practice, she founded a stool bank that provides fecal microbiota transplant for the treatment of resistant Clostridium difficile infection. That experience inspired her to co-found Thena, a biotech company based off her fecal transplant work that is balancing microbial ecosystems through sterile stool-derived postbiotics. I had a really fascinating conversation today with Dr. Macbeth, and I hope you enjoy this deep dive into our microbial ecosystem. Welcome, everyone, to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm honored today to be joining a fellow naturopath, Dr. Andrea Macbeth, and we're going to be talking about the power of poop, what naturopaths love to talk about. And so we're going to dive in. So welcome so much, Dr. Macbeth. I'm really honored to interview you today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And I have to say, being interviewed by naturopaths is my favorite because I really believe in our profession. And it's a, it's a pleasure to see people providing educational platforms um, because I think what we do is so important. So I'm really excited to be here. Oh, the feel, feeling is mutual. And I think we just have such important medicine and such powerful medicine to meet so many of the modern day illnesses that we see. And so yeah. I know we're both passionate about getting the word out about what we do. So with that being said, really, how did your journey lead you to become a naturopath? My background was always kind of in a science space. I studied biochemistry in undergrad and did research and even in high school. And I always had sort of envisioned myself as a molecular chemist, honestly, like to think about how things are put together. And I read lots of fantasy novels and somewhere along the lines, I became obsessed with atoms and how everything works together on a microscopic level. And so I was pursuing a PhD in biomedical engineering with sort of a a molecular focus. I had worked for a couple of years as a research assistant before going back for a PhD in how cancer cells talk to each other, thinking about how the ecosystems of the body adapt and change and, you know, what leads to cancer. And then my sister was diagnosed with the cancer that I had been studying. And so like all things in life, there was a big pivot there. And I learned a lot. She's been in remission for 10 years. And I decided to become a naturopath, quite frankly, because it was a terrible experience. And I'm really appreciative that the medicine existed. But I saw every day where there were missing holes in the system. And I was mad about that. And I wanted to do something to one, never have to do that again. And two, answer this like question I kept asking of like, why, why don't you care what she's eating? What do you mean mm-hmm. she can only eat processed foods that are in packages? How is that going to help her with side effects and, and you know, suffering? And you know, the answer was always, well, we don't care <laughs> if she suffers, we care if she lives. And I was like, hmm, I feel mm-hmm. like there's a better answer. And so 
I was really honored to be in the transplant ward of the hospital with another naturopath whose spouse was going through the same thing. And he was like, you should do this. So I, I went straight into school after that kind of two years of inpatient caregiving and never looked back. I mean, it is a beautiful medicine. It was a big paradigm shift for me. And then coming out of school and while I was in school, finding the microbiome is really the bridge between my two worlds. So I wanted to know why everything naturopaths do work so well. Cause I kept seeing it. I was like, this makes sense intuitively. What we eat matters. What we're thinking matters, how our environment interfaces with us matters. And it's intuitive and not concrete and we don't know everything. And the microbiota kind of represented that explanation for me in a way that was really exciting. And so when I had the opportunity to work with fecal transplant, I took it and kind of never looked back because the ultimate microbiota ecosystem is poop. And mm-hmm. using poop as a medicine <laughs> is both old as time and the cutting edge of understanding physiology on a molecular level. So I'm very long-winded. You can learn to cut me off, but that oh, is sort of the naturopathic version of my journey and why I think what we do is so powerful. Um, yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing that personal story and you know how, yeah, we're always on our path, right? So even through this really probably heart-wrenching time in your life with your sister, it, look at where it led you. And I'm so happy to hear that she's doing well and that she's recovered, you know, from her cancer. And so Andrea, this is really interesting. So the microbiome is really still this great frontier, right, of medicine. And as we know, we have a microbiome in our digestive tract that we're going to talk a lot about, but we have microbiomes, right, kind of really throughout our body, right, our skin, our lung, our nasal passages, they're even coming up with the microbiome and the microbiome in the brain and, you know, that we're really more microbes and human cells. And so can you just share, I know we'll we'll definitely get to the poop and the microbiome and the poop. And it's such an important part of recovering from a chronic illness and really healing someone's digestive ailments as well as their immune system. But can you just share maybe some of your insights to what we have learned over the last few years about this huge relationship between the microbes in our body and all of these systems and how that really creates immune resilience in our system? Yeah. So I I think of the microbes, microbiota, like overarching, they live everywhere in and on us. If you think of the human body as a donut and mouth to anus is just the sprinkle part of the donut where there's the most microbes, but all of our skin surfaces, our lungs, our nasal passages, our vagina, if you have one, a bladder, whatever organ that has an epithelial layer has a microbial ecosystem. And I think of them collectively as a you know, an organ system. So they are an organ, just like the blood that flows through our whole body is an organ and our lymphatic system is an organ system. And they are interfacing like all the other organ systems with every other part of our body. And so I have moved away from thinking them as separate and more as an entity of cells that have slightly different behavior than cardiac or vascular cells, but still representing an organ system in this greater whole. The cool thing about them is that they evolve a lot faster than the rest of our cells. And they are the first interface of us with the outside world. And so they're our organ, not our skin, 
that's the first point of contact with everything we're interfacing with. And they provide a really important immune modulatory role of interfacing with the environment, giving us signals of what that environment, whether it's what we're eating or what we're experiencing in the air and the water or on our skin. And then our immune cells interpret that molecular signaling and then go to a cascade of of things that create cytokines and responses. And naturopaths have been talking about leaky gut way before it was a thing. And now, shockingly, it's a thing. We're not like made fun of anymore. It's real. (laughs) And I think that is a really good place to start when we think about an ecosystem is going to be sending us and communicating molecules, ecosystem organ, that's going to turn up or down a fire alarm. And so if we think about the fire alarm as inflammation, when we need the fire alarm up because we're acutely fighting something, that's going to create leaky gut because we need that fire alarm on. But what happens is when that fire alarm is constantly on, we have this chronic inflammation because the interface with the outside world is slightly toxic. We have to start to look at the ecosystem balance as the thing that turns the fire alarm back off. Mm -hmm. And so the microbes actually are responsible for molecules that that turn the calm down T regulatory cells on. And there's what I call neuroimmunomodulatory, because it turns out it's not just the immune system, it's the brain and the metabolism. But without getting too much into the weeds, you know, it's an organ that's our first point of contact with the world. And it's the canary that's telling us whether to turn the fire alarm on or off. Mm -hmm. What a fantastic description. I haven't quite heard everything that you just described um, be so elegant. And I love, I love the donut and the sprinkles and, (laughs) you know, all of it. So no, and I, I, that's a really, my, my brain shifted as you were talking about, um, instead of seeing them separate is that they're like the, you know, this organ, this relationship, this layer of yes, it's a community and an ecosystem, but they're working to help support and defend us or filter information that we're getting from our outside environment. And so I I think that, yeah, no, that was a really beautiful description. And then, you know, kind of going to, okay, here we are, modern day, our environment is really toxic. People are really struggling. There's a rise in chronic illnesses like neurological illnesses and also autoimmune illnesses and cancer. And I live in the world of seeing a lot of patients who've been affected by, you know, Lyme and mold and metals and glyphosate and EMF and, you know, all of it. It's kind of this, there are too many fire alarms going off right. in the body, you know? And so through your work, you know, with the naturopathic perspective, and then again, your passion for the microbiome and your understanding of the role, you know, really the microbiome within the gut via looking at the stool plays a role. How do you make sense of what we're seeing clinically? And then we can go into, of course, your approach and solutions, but I I love your perspective. I'm biased because I see the world through a microbiota lens and I understand it's not the only factor, but I do think mechanistically it's where that interface is happening. Our food system is broken. Our environmental policy system is broken. Our mental health system and trauma infrastructure of human health is broken, right? Okay, so now that we're bummed out, how do the what are the pros? Well, we are highly adaptive, and that's the beauty of the microbiota is that we co-evolve since the beginning of time with this organ that works a lot faster. And uh, because we think of Darwinian evolution as like so, Darwinian evolution is natural selection, and 
we think of ourselves as not evolving. It's over a species generational evolution, survival of the fittest. So Darwinian evolution is happening, but it's happening on the microscopic level, which allows us to actually be more Lamarckian, meaning Lamarck was the the other person who was debating Darwin about evolutionary theory. And his theory was that if giraffes stretched enough in their lifetime, their necks would grow and their kiddos would have longer necks. And it turns out through the microbiota, what we do in our lifetime actually is transmitted via the vaginal canal when babies are born matrilineally to give our offspring an evolutionary adaptation to what we lived through in our lifetime. And the microbes are how we do that. And so we are constantly being bombarded by perturbations. And just like the rainforest has diversity that protects it from climate change, our microbes have diversity. And if you have a healthy ecosystem and a high diversity, the more perturbations you have, you can bounce back from. And where you get into trouble with patients with chronic disease, for me, for example, and my sister and my family, I was born via C-section, not that that's the end of the world, but my mom comes from an immigrant family. She has a lot of trauma. My grandma is Lithuanian. My grandpa's Polish. He came here through concentration camps. Like you can look at the trauma and environmental factors that in three generations or two generations, my dad's side is a, is also has its own set of trauma, you know, with great grandma from a Shasta Indian tribe that was went through genocide. Every person has its own story, right? And that trauma gets put into the microbes, the environmental factors, whether it's potato famine or again, coming through an immigration process or just living in a world where we microwave plastic, Mm -hmm. that is something I inherited. And so as a Western person, we have a fraction of the diversity of microbial ecosystem. It's like, it's like my rainforest was born clear cut, right? Already started with a really low diversity and low resilience to perturbation. So by the time I was six, and in the hospital with, you know, rheumatoid arthritis, and then Guillain-Barre and all these fun things I had as a kiddo that were my immune system reacting. That was because my ecosystem signaling was on since the day I was born. And my fire alarm was set really high. And then I came into the world and every time I had a perturbation, I couldn't recover because the ecosystem was already extinct, essentially. Like, The equation I outline when I teach microbiome and nutrition is that in the same way we can think about climate change causing Anthropocene mass extinction. So 90% of the flying insects are expected to go extinct. We have that same extinction happening in the ecosystem of our microbial organ. And that is setting us up for this chronic disease epidemic where our immune system is, is unable to deal with perturbation. And then we get dysregulation and the teeter-totter is off. Mm-hmm. And I'm fighting things that don't aren't real and attacking self and having an autoimmune disease when my ecosystem should be able to balance that out and, and turn on the T-regulatory, sh- turn, you know, calm down things. And that's what our medicines do. They help the teeter-totter get balanced. So reducing inflammation through food and quality and you know, I've done all kinds of crazy things for therapy for myself and, and a lot of them have helped. So that's 
where I approach people, I'm not doing anything different to treat them. I'm still addressing food and their environment, whether it's mold or a chronic infection or something, but I'm looking at it like, how can I reset the ecosystem, turn down the fire alarm so that their body's evolution can re-equilibrate? So even though I inherited this lineage of really messed up stuff, I also have the ability to stretch my neck and repair that ecosystem in my lifetime in a way that allows us to heal. And so it comes full circle to the naturopathic vitalism understanding of patient heal thyself. And if we give the environment the right fertilizer and compost and precursors, it will come back just like the ecosystems on the the planet can come back. Uh, Yeah, brilliant. You know, Andrea, really brilliant how you explain all of this um, complexity, you know, and how it affects our ecosystem and the resilience, right, of our ecosystem. And, you know, a few things to land on. I, I deal a lot also acknowledging trauma, you know, in people's lineage and present life and how that affects all the things in their body. But I hadn't really thought of it in the layer of like how trauma gets passed down through the microbes and that, that, yeah, just clicked, uh, you know, a new network in my brain, you know, thinking of it in that way. So that was really um, exciting to see it from that lens. And then, you know, you've laid out really a personal story too. And if you don't mind, because many of uh, the people who listen are patients or people who are wanting hope of recovery and just wanting to see what worked for other people and that can lead us into your your treatment approach. But, you know, you had some significant things that you started life with, right? And then you mentioned an autoimmune illness, Guillain Barre, I think you even had, which is a, you know, ascending paralyzing, you know, disease. Um, you know, you, you have to have a lot, you know, in life. And so, how did you restore your ecosystem and restore your health to where it is today? I mean, I think that's the cool part about this, right? Like, I was a pretty sick human <laughs> when my sister got sick, but I didn't. I mean, I have ankylosing spondylitis. My adult diagnosis was ankylosing spondylitis, which is arthritis of my spine, but I've had it my whole life and chronic pain and weird stuff and watching my sister. And then also my mom, who was really significantly ill, like since I was in high school, chronically ill with fibromyalgia and psoriatic arthritis. I was told it was a one-way street, right? So I've had doctors say, you're going to be paralyzed by the time you're ex old. I had to relearn how to walk after Grand Beret. So it was like, a, it's a whole thing, but I didn't understand that wasn't the only choice, but intuitively my mom brought me to acupuncture. I went to chiropractic. I had a really healthy diet. I grew up in Portland. I had all these other things that were of value. And when I went to school to become a naturopath, it was like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And it's a kitchen sink approach, right? And it's slow and steady. And you have a couple forward days and then (laughs) something hits you and you go a couple back and you have trauma response to that. But, you know, I have watched my mom and myself and my sister and patients and, and loved ones, but in particular me and my mom over time, really slowly chip away at quality of life to become to a place where like we went for a trip to Italy and my mom and I probably couldn't have gotten on a plane at different points in our disease and have a grand old time. This was a couple of years ago before COVID, but we did it through diet. We did it through mindfulness. We did it through trauma work. We did it through microbial therapies, microbiome restoration therapies is what I call it. But, you know, 
you name it and we've tried it and you have so the other part about the microbiome that's interesting is my ecosystem's really different than my mom's and it's really different than yours. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be an individualized approach because my trial and error is going to be different than hers, which is going to be different from everybody else's because my microbes are different and they're making different molecules and my set point is different. And so I learned that it's not a one-way street and you can make really significant strides towards healing. It just takes time and you should journal because you forget how sick you were. (laughs) (laughs) And that it is never a one-size-fits-all, which is cool because naturopathic medicine really... Mm you know, puts that together in a way that it was hard to understand, you know, here's your trajectory and the expectation and here's your diagnosis. And it, there's not a lot of room for, well, what if I do this? And what if I change my life and do different things to try to mitigate that? And it turns out it it can work. Mm-hmm. And I know you've seen that all of our, you know, all of our naturopathic friends have seen miraculous took a lifetime and many generations to get where I started. And so it, it took time. It takes years. I mean, I, I still have pain, but it's a lot less. Yeah. 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 No, thank you so much for sharing that. And I, I hear you and I um, know I'm so glad that you had your family who led, you know, your mom who had the proclivity to, you know, lead you to these therapies and that you were able to explore. Yeah. This just healing journey rather than the other kind of trajectory that modern medicine would have put you on. Right. You know, so then Andrea, so you mentioned microbial restoration therapies. And so tell us what you're talking about. And if people are listening who might have a similar story to you or autoimmune illness or, you know, chronic illnesses that we see maybe gear this conversation to those individuals. Yeah. So I knew I needed, I mean, I also have IBS, I had a colonoscopy and they weren't quite sure if it was IBD or not. And I was like the stinky kid who farted a lot and couldn't, you know, figure out why I was always sick. But I knew after learning all of this, that my microbiome needed to be reset. A lot of tools for us to do that, primarily food and supplements, and there's not a right way to do it. But I think of all those as microbial therapies. And then sometimes we plateau and there's only so far you can get. And so I looked towards my mentors, which were Carmen Campbell and Mark Davis, who were doing helminthic therapy, which is really interesting. And maybe we can get into it, but they were also doing fecal transplant. And, you know, at that time it was kind of a, let's try everything. I found them to be really effective for me and then knew that wasn't something I could translate to all my patients. So we fecal transplant is delivering the stool of a healthy person to the colon of a recipient through a colonoscopy or a capsule or something. And, you know, there's a lot of legality around that. It's not approved. You can only use it for C. diff, but I knew it was really powerful. So we developed a sterilized version that's like a super probiotic, except all the bacteria is killed. (laughs) And so when I say microbial therapies, I mean anything that's going to modulate the microbiome that we've evolved with since the beginning of time. And so that includes helminths and FMT, but in a clinical setting, we're sort of limited in using those. And so I really wanted to find a more accessible tool. And my co-founder and collaborator and clinic owner, Piper Dobner, and I had both worked with Mark and Carmen and came out of that experience being like, okay, how do we do this? And the answer was 
to think about the molecules. And that's like where it came full circle, where people aren't really looking, they're trying to decide who the good guys and the bad guys are. And we were like, "Mm -mm, nope, we need good compost and we need good fertilizer. And we need the molecules that we know are going to change the environment to grow the right ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we started to take fecal transplant stool that's healthy for really happy, healthy people that are very different than my, and sterilize their stool and make it into what we're calling a Thena, biotic Thena is the company, but it's like a prebiotic postbiotic combination from a whole ecosystem. So it's, it's poop that's been sterilized and turned into powder. It's very fancy poop powder, (laughs) but it's, it's a microbial restoration therapy in the same way we think about probiotics or prebiotics mm-hmm. as microbial restoration therapies. It is, I think everything naturopaths do are microbial restoration therapies in some way, but that is the one in particular that we're really excited about and working with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really exciting. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of right limitations and legalities to doing the, the you know FMT or Hellman therapy or therapies that came before what you've created. So I like how necessity and limitation, you know, breeds innovation, right? You know, and um, so how does this work? Like if someone's listening and saying like, okay, I have an autoimmune illness, I, my gut's a mess, like how do I interact with this product? Well, it's not a silver bullet, but, you know, my short answer is always like, go find a good naturopath. go find a good naturopath or if there's not one where you live a functional medicine doc who understands that the microbiome matters and then you know work with them with all their tools and if it's a you know we are my clinic flora medicine has a physician program where we can provide the thanabiotic to other physicians to use with patients and so they can send their doc our way, or they can come see one of us in Portland. We have also have a doc in Idaho who does remote consultations. You're in a state that's legal for remote consults. And so we can see you as patients, or we really want to encourage you to work with a, a partner locally too. If you have a physician like you that wants to help support, they can always order the Thanabiotic from us, but it's not you know, this is me being a terrible salesman, but like, that's not where you start, right? You start with nutrition, foundations of health. You know, we have really powerful tools and supplements that modulate the microbiome. You can't do this without vagal nerve. I mean, the more I worked with gut health, the more I realized our brain and trauma patterning and nervous system. Like I wear a heart rate variability monitor because of POTS and my tachycardia is bad, but also because like my nervous system is constantly in sympathetic mode and nothing I do is going to fix my nervous system unless I deal with that stress piece, right? And the trauma piece and my EMDR cognitive behavioral therapy. So that's a, that's a piece of the puzzle too, that I think the Thanabiotic is cool and fecal transplants great. And it like definitely can help you plateau, but my asterisk is that it's not a silver bullet Mm -hmm. and we have to think about modulating the microbiome from again, the kitchen sink Mm -hmm. approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, you know, again, when we think about naturopathic medicine, we're not in that 
you know, conventional paradigm, one thing, one drug, you're better, right? It's all of these things to make data biotic work and shine, right? You know, and it's the right timing. Tell me about then, um, is this a long-term solution or do people do this like an intensive period of times or how do, how do people integrate it? Yeah. I mean, we're learning. We've been using this, like, again, necessity breeds innovation. So we needed something that was sterile when COVID happened. And we had already been thinking about it and sort of had it in beta testing. And then all of a sudden we couldn't treat our seated patients from our fecal transplants dual bank because Mm. of COVID. And so sterilizing was a solution and we've learned a lot. We are doing a whole bunch of research and have a startup and we're looking to do clinical trials, but everything we have to date is anecdotal, which is how a lot of our medicine is. And that's totally valid. We're finding that it's a, you know, a small amount over time modulates seems to be helping patients like with anxiety and depression and brain fog, which is really interesting and fatigue, which we didn't expect. And then, you know, it it helps with diarrhea and constipation, which makes total sense. It's like small dosing over time and not just a one and done. It's, you know, three months, one to three months. Sometimes we've, we've had patients on it for longer periods or they, they take it for a few months and stop. And then they're like, actually, I'm going to, go back on it because I felt good for a while. It's everybody's different. Everybody's microbiome is different, just like all of our therapies. Mm-hmm. You know, I treat a lot of and see a lot of SIBO and it's another tool in the SIBO toolbox. Oh, that's great. It's killed. So there's no bacteria to like inoculate SIBO, but it will shift the motility and maybe support the good guys to grow back so that the bad guys get knocked down. You know, all of those seem to be my mom's going to take it every day for the rest of her life. But everybody I think approaches, it seems to be like a three to six month Mm -hmm. low dosing, but that could change. If you ask me that question in six more months, like Mm -hmm. I have totally new data. We just got off a call with a doc who's really excited about it. And that was like our best guess answer. Mm -hmm. And we'll know more, the more we have a chance to collect data. Um, yeah, no, it's really exciting, right? And now I'm I'm definitely going to hop on the bandwagon. I have a bunch of patients that I'm going to pick your brain about. <laughs> With that being said, do you feel now that you don't have access to FMT because of COVID, do you feel like this is like, I know that even FMT, even though legally it had to be C. diff and there were all these other wonderful benefits beyond C. diff, but do you feel confident? Um, I'm just thinking of patients who do have C. diff and they need a solution. Do you feel like this is also? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We are providing FMT though for C. diff again. So we okay. now can test every stool for COVID. It just took, I don't know, nine months to figure it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so if you, if, yeah, if patients have C. diff that failed antibiotics, FMT is 90 plus percent effective and it's a one and done. And that's what they should do. I mean, we have a stool bank that is providing FMT for C. diff now. And if you're in a place that you can't get access to that, because we can't provide that if you're like the same as the Thanabiotic, the Thanabiotic seems to help. I mean, C. diff is tough. That's one very, if you have C. diff, I want you to get an FMT. And a lot of our job is just being patient advocates and trying to help them figure out how to do that. But for all the other stuff, whether it's chronic UTIs and you've had 200 rounds of antibiotics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, those are places where we're thinking about other places FMT has been effective, but patients don't have access. We're thinking about this. Yeah, no, it's really exciting. No, it's a, 
exciting next step. And again, with the whole goal of creating more access, right, to these types of modalities that otherwise, you know, wouldn't be as accessible. I know people who are listening are probably like, well, what about probiotics? Like, do they work? Do they not work? Same flavor, you know, different approach, right? So a probiotic, we can only culture between two and 10% of the bacteria that are in our colon, right? They're hard to grow. And a probiotic is something that we take out of the colon, a colonic bacteria that grows in, you know, either naturally in yogurt or something, or is something that's cultured in a lab. Mm. And there's a lot of money and research going into figuring out how to make good drugs, bugs as drugs. And there's a billion dollar plus, I don't know how many billions of dollars the probiotic industry is. I think it has limitations, but it also has benefit. You know, my my plug is for a naturopath named Jason Harlowak, who really does a good job of summarizing what we do and don't know about probiotics. And because I'm killing all the bugs, I have the liberty of being like, I don't care. I'm not going to read that literature. <laughs> but, you know, it is a microbial therapy. And so you just need to make sure that you have data behind what it is and or you're using it intuitively with like a grain of salt because there's a lot of marketing and just because it says it is what it is doesn't mean. I mean, that's how everything is. You you need to trust your naturopath or provider mm-hmm. to help you get a good mm-hmm. quality okay. probiotic. And they're different. That's really different than what we're using, which is all of the bacteria in a colon. So it's a hundred percent of all the bacteria that comes from the colon and all of its molecules and associated fibers and ferments. It's like our product is more like a kombucha scoby that's been fermented or a herbal tea ferment, you know, kombucha with a lot of complex stuff than it is a probiotic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, thank you for that clarification. So when we think about this generational kind of transference of microbiome um, diversity to, um, you know, hopefully evolve, right? And so people are healthier through the generations. Do you feel like the antibiotic is safe for pregnant women to take or do you? I mean, that's a I know. I probably should have to ask that off the podcast, but I'm just thinking, you know, because, you know, there are too many sick kids out there, right? And so I'm just thinking that this is a way to change the course. Okay. So without going down a slippery slope, what I do know is FMT has quite a bit of safety data. So fecal transplant, tens of thousands of patients in the U.S. have had fecal transplant in the last 10 years, and we have good data on that safety. And the major risk with FMT is infectious disease, and we have fixed that with our product. So we can look at FMT data and extrapolate safety. Mm -hmm. We are doing our own safety data as best we can. And then, you know, beyond that, what do we know about pregnancy and fertility, there was an autism study done looking at fecal transplant and autism, and it was really effective. And it was a big deal. It's a study out of Arizona State University by Dr. Adams. And you should, if your listeners are interested in autism, they should Google Dr. Adams, Arizona State autism, fecal transplant, and they'll find it, or you can put a link for it. But he points out that, and I should find the citation for this, but you know, maternal anemia increases the risks of a, if a mom is anemic when conception happens, 
baby is 50% or something in that ballpark, more likely to have autism. So we know the microbiota during conception on plays a role in setting the the thermostat of the fire alarm. So you want a healthy microbiota. You also want micronutrients. You want to be avoiding environmental factors. There's a lot of things we don't know. And pregnancy is always one of those things where I'm I'm definitely not going to recommend this for pregnant women because I don't know. I don't have a study that shows safe, but I think it's important for us to have candid conversations about relative risk of lots of things and early childhood development and the passing of vaginal and stool because baby gets a mouthful of stool and covered in the vaginal microbiome at birth. And that immune system is being developed in utero, you know, is important for us to start to think about if we're going to start to undo some of this systemic damage to the ecosystem of our microbes that we've done over, you know, the last hundred years of industrialization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I know, obviously, we have to, of course, be safe and be strategic, but it gives me like, this is, uh, I think, a really exciting field that should be explored for prevention, turning kind of the, that extension thing that's happening, you know, like turning that, <laughs> turning that around, you know, having our, you know, ecosystems thrive and flourish. Yeah, I believe knowledge is power, even if the knowledge is depressing. Mm-hmm. It gives us a way to make an educated decision of relative risk. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to drink a beer and eat a pizza sometimes, even though it destroys me. But I understand what I'm doing and why, and I can make that decision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. And in the meantime, we're going to you know work on creating more resilience, right? So when the beer and the pizza come, that it doesn't destroy us, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the litmus test, right? Yeah. So no, that's a naturopathic challenge diet, you know, like <laughs> beer and pizza. How do we do? So Andrea, I feel like I could talk to you for another hour, but I want to respect your time and that you gave us a lot to digest and um, <laughs> no, no, really. And I, I'm super, I know. you know, to, you know, learn more about your work and uh, collaborate with you, but is there anything else that you feel like you want to leave our listeners with? I want people to feel empowered and not get bogged down in in the doom and gloom. And I want, I am always now empowered to make decisions because I understand that it's a microbial ecosystem. And I want the listeners to come away with, wow, I have this really cool organ system that's super adaptive that helps me be resilient in the world. Mm -hmm. How do I support it? And you support it with good food and quality fibers and good mental, like what you eat, drink, and think matter. And it hopefully will give you a litmus test to make decisions. And, and sometimes the stress is, is worse than the wrong decision. And so knowing that all of that's going to be an interplay and an individual decision-making, I'm hopeful that that helps put people in the, the driver's seat of their, their health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I I appreciate you saying that. And we're on the same page. I, I know with a lot of, you know, what we talk about, it can be like a bummer and we can get overwhelmed, but no, there's so many solutions. And as you said, even given what the human body's up against, it still always has the opportunity to heal, recover, create a new. And I, yeah, we have to focus on that. Right. So, well, where can people find out more about you and your clinic and your company and your work? Um, let us know. Yeah. So everything is more or less uh, through our clinic, which is Flora Medicine, F-L-O-R-A medicine.com. Our biotech kind of spin out is Thena, 
which is where we get the Thana biotic from, but it's a little bit in stealth mode. So the website is just a, a piece of art I like. <laughs> But Flora Medicine has resources. I teach microbiome nutrition at the NUNM. Um, There's continuing ed. There's lots of resources if people want to hear me ramble for hours on end. Um, It's all on our website under the what's new portion. Awesome. Well, we'll have a link to all of that. And again, um, so nice getting to know you and thank you for your passion about all things poop and microbiome and, you know, well, I'm inspiring us today. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. And thank you for creating the platform. It's really, I like to ramble, but it's people like you who help communicate this and that's super, you know, valuable and important. And none of this would happen without you. So thank you too, for, for providing this platform. Oh, thank you for saying that. Well, team effort, we're in this together. So well, thank you, Andrea. Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Dr. Andrea Macbeth, and please check out her website at floramedicine.com. If you are enjoying these podcasts, I'd love to hear from you. I'd be so honored if you left a review on Apple iTunes, and please feel free to always contact us at info at drchristineschaffner.com.